Welcome to City Life Church, and this is our podcast. This is Pastor Dave Diefendorf, and we are so honored to have you join us today. Our passion is to help you discover who God is, grow in the likeness of Jesus, and lead well in this generation. I hope in this message, God will meet you where you're at and take you to the next level in your connection with Him and His kingdom. Enjoy the message. Well, we have been going through, if you have not been with us the last several weeks, we've been going through a topical series on faith and work. How do we glorify God in the thing that we spend the majority of our time doing, working? And we've defined work as anything that you put your hands to during the week, whether you have a paid job or an unpaid job, whether you're caring for young kids or maybe aging parents, maybe you're a full-time student this season of your life, waiting for that future career. Maybe you're at home running a home, or maybe you're in one of those transitional seasons that Dave spoke of last week where you're unemployed or in a season of transition and your job right now is to discern what the Lord has for you next. And so that's what we've been looking at. How do we glorify God? How do we live integrated lives Monday through Saturday? That Monday morning is just as holy and as important as Sunday morning, that it all matters before God's throne. And that as we, whatever we do throughout the week, it's not that we're just doing it to get a paycheck or, oh, so I can do what I really want to do or I can really do ministry, but it's all integrated. Ministry happens seven days a week, no matter what we're doing. So that's what we've been looking at. And today, I'm going to continue on with something that may not feel like it's necessarily a part of your work life, but it should be, and that's rest. How do we rest well? So how do we work well before God's throne? How do we bring him glory? And then how do we rest? And Dave spoke at the beginning of this series that sometimes work can kind of be a four-letter word, like just something we have to do. And I would argue that maybe rest can be a four-letter word as well. I know it has been for, for me at different seasons in my own life. Sometimes rest is hard, even though that sounds a little contradictory, but to kind of push back the world and make room for this rhythm of rest in our life that God offers. So we worship God through our work, and we worship him through our rest. So that's what we're going to look at today, and we're going to put this in the right narrative. At the top of this series, we talked about we need to fit our work in the proper, proper biblical narrative. And I would argue we need to do that with rest as well. So there's a narrative across the Gospels, a four-part narrative. And it starts with creation, when God created everything and said it was good and everything was perfect, and we were in unbroken fellowship with him. And then there's the narrative of the fall, when humankind decided they wanted to be their own God and not trust in their creator, and so sin came in the world. We have the narrative of redemption through the life, death, and resurrection of Christ so that when we put our trust in him, we truly can be redeemed. He's handled our sin issue. And then there's the narrative of restoration, a future state, where one day there will be a new heaven and a new earth, and everything will be made right, and sin will be no more. And so where do work and rest fit in God's biblical narrative? And I think even if you are familiar with the scriptures, sometimes you can default and just think that uh, work came after the fall. Like it's just this necessary evil. We've got to work because of sinful man, so we've got to toil, and it's hard. And because it's hard and people are hard, we've got to rest. And that's just not true. This, this story of work 
and rest actually came before the fall. And so right away in Genesis 1-1, the very first words of the Bible, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So what do we see right away? What is God doing right away as the Bible opens? It, he's working. He's creating. And then he, he makes man in his image, his highest creation. It says in Genesis 2.15, the Lord God took man and put him in the garden of Eden to work and to take care of it. So we are made in his image. It's always been his design that he is working and we get to co-labor with him. We get to work as well. And then rest also came in this creation narrative. Genesis 2.2 says, By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all his work of the creating that he had done. So this rhythm of work and rest has always been God's design over our life. In the seventh day of rest, it's not like it was just an afterthought, like God kind of miscalculated and was like, oh, I, gotta, I gotta, guess I got an extra day here, so I'll rest. It, it was not an afterthought. It was the capstone of his week of creating. He always had that in mind. That was always his intention. And then we flip forward to the narrative. After the fall, the narrative of sin, when it entered the world. Okay, now work does become a little bit harder. And God, once sent into the world, just to give kind of an overarching story, God scattered the nations. Okay, he wanted us to take dominion over all the earth, and he had a new game plan this time. And he attaches himself to a specific nation, a specific people, because he still has to show and manifest who he is on the earth. It's always been his design that he be intertwined with people. And so that's how his glory is revealed on the earth. So he attaches himself to the nation of Israel. And as they are being led into their promised land, maybe you're familiar with the story in the book of Exodus, their leader Moses is leading the Israelite nation away from slavery and into their promised land, and God gives them commandments. And there's ten main ones. He gives them lots of commandments, but there's ten main ones. And the fourth commandment, so, so here we see he's repeating this narrative of rest. The fourth commandment in Exodus 20, it's actually the longest commandment that he gives, he says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, for in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. And then we flip to the redemptive narrative where Jesus Christ has come, fully man, fully God, and he has come to redeem the earth, to solve humankind's sin problem. And he talks about the Sabbath as well. Jesus had many haters of his day. They were usually the religious leaders and scholars, the Pharisees, and they were always on him about breaking the Sabbath. He would heal someone. They said, oh, you're working. One time his, him and his disciples, they picked some grain to eat, and the Pharisees came at him like, oh, you're working on the Sabbath. And here's what Jesus says. He said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord, even on the Sabbath. In other words, I was at the very beginning when I instituted this seventh day. I get to define it. And it is actually my gift to you. It's a gift of rest. It's a gift weekly that you get to unwrap 
before God's throne and worship him in that way. So Jesus didn't do away with the Sabbath. He's actually reminding us that this is actually my plan of redemption. This is one way that you can be restored and redeemed every week is by honoring the Sabbath. So the Sabbath is a clear theme throughout scriptures, and it is God's gift to us. It's not a legalistic requirement meant to add more to our schedule. It's for our benefit. It's God's great love to us that he wants us to rest from our work. So what does Sabbath mean? It's derived from a Hebrew verb, sabbat, meaning to stop, to cease, or to keep. And we're going to break that down a little bit as we go forward. But I kind of want to look at these two offers of rest that the scripture narrative gives us, that God gives his people. And the first is a Sabbath rest. And that's, that's a state of being taken hold of by faith. So that's like for every day of the week. It doesn't matter if it's your Sabbath day where you're resting from your work, but, but it's your internal state of being. And we're going to look at some scriptures in just a second. And then there's a Sabbath day, which is a weekly rhythm of rest taken hold of by intentional effort. So this is like an external manifestation of what's going on internally. And it might sound kind of funny that it takes intentional effort to have a Sabbath day, to have a day of rest. But if any of you have, have tried to practice this rhythm of rest, it is really hard. It's really, really hard. It does take intentional effort. It takes some planning in order to do that every week. So let's look at this Sabbath rest. I think this has to come before we can talk about having a Sabbath day. Because if we are not approaching our life hidden in Christ from a place of rest, like a Sabbath day is just going to be another day off. Like it's, it's never really going to do what God intends it to do, to be restorative and rejuvenating. It'll just be another day off, and you'll just kind of keep going in the same cycle of spinning your wheels. So let's look at this idea of Sabbath rest, this internal state of being. And there's three scriptures up here says, now we who have believed, there's the faith part, we who have believed enter that rest, just as God has said. That's Hebrews 4.3. And then later in that same chapter, it says, there remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. And then if you contrast that to a verse in Isaiah, Isaiah 57.20, it says, but the wicked are like the tossing of the sea, which cannot rest whose waves cast up mire and mud. And so there's, there's this contrast here that when we begin our journey with Jesus, we put our faith in him, and our life cycles up or circles up with this redemptive narrative, that there is an internal state of being that we can approach all of life, and it's from a place of rest. So it's no matter what my circumstances are, whether they're good or bad, although circumstances are valid, but there, there's a higher reality that I can claim from a place of rest. No matter what my emotions may be doing, although emotions are very valid, but no matter what they are, there's, there's actually a higher reality that I can claim in Christ, and it's from a place of rest. And so whether you are in your dream job or a really sucky job right now, whether you're transitioning 
or you're kind of banging your head against the wall in this season because of the monotony, whatever it is. It's like I can approach all of life, Monday through Sunday, from a place of rest, of Sabbath rest that the Lord offers because I am hidden in Christ. My old life has passed away. The new life has come, and it is well with my soul. That is Sabbath rest. Back to the story of the Israelites when they were coming out of slavery from Egypt to their promised land, the book of Deuteronomy is, is Moses' kind of like last sermons to his people. He has led them for multiple years through the wilderness on the way to the promised land, and he's about ready to die. And he's giving his last sermons, like pleading with his people, like remember what God has done for us. And there's this verse, he repeats the Ten Commandments in a little bit different wording. And there's this verse that I think just paints such a great picture of this Sabbath rest. It says, remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. So he's like, Sabbath is an act of liberation. It's like you were once slaves. Resting was not even a part of your life. That wasn't even included in your vocabulary. But you are God's people. And this is a mark of holiness that you can keep the Sabbath day. And so as we say goodbye to our old lives, our slavery to sin and death, this is now a mark on our life, Sabbath rest, that if God is for us, who can be against us? That he is the God that sees us that he knows the plans that he has for our life and their plans to prosper us. You know what's so amazing about that verse, Jeremiah 29, 11? I love to quote it. Everyone loves to quote it. But if you take it in its context, it's like the most brutal part of the Israelites' history. They're being captured by Babylon. And like horrendous things are happening. So their circumstances are really, really poor. Then in comes this verse. I know the plans that I have for you. Their plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Like that is Sabbath rest. That we can approach life knowing who God is and that we are his. So if we look back at our definition of Sabbath, what does this Sabbath rest, this internal state of being, offer us? We get to stop identifying with our old life. We are no longer slaves to sin and death. We cease to be ruled by the world's standards. And we keep Jesus at the center. So our old life passes away. That is not our identity any longer. That we are a new creation. We no longer, we cease to be ruled by the world's standards. In the gospel, Jesus says that you cannot serve both God and mammon. Mammon could be translated as money or the world system of greed and power and want and excess and more and more. So we cease to be ruled by that. Like, that does not define us. Our Sabbath rest says, no, I don't have to live, especially in our American culture, I don't have to live for more. That is not restful. If you've ever been down that path of just, ugh, the next thing will make me happy, or, or this will make me happy, or, you know, for us, speaking of Dave Ramsey's principles coming up on Wednesday, Marcel and I did this, started this about 15 years ago, and we got to a point like getting out of debt was an idol. <laughs> you know, like that became like, oh, if we could just get out of debt, then we'll be happy. He's like, no, that's not Sabbath rest. 
that's just, that's just the benefit of following the Lord, that he gives us good tools to steward our lives. But being out of debt or having a lot of money or having this perfect job or whatever it is, that, that doesn't make Sabbath rest. We cease to be ruled by the world's standard, and we keep Jesus at the center. So our rest comes from his finished work on the cross in an empty tomb. That's the only reason that we can approach life from this internal state. So now that we've looked at Sabbath rest, let's look at the Sabbath day. And I think I already said this, that Sabbath day, if we're already approaching life just from this internal posture of rest, like the Sabbath day becomes our external manifestation of what's already happening internally. So it's not just another day off where I don't do anything. It's actually this day that the Lord gives us, and it's going to look a little bit different in all of our lives. It's this day that the Lord gives us to be part of his redemptive narrative where we can physically practice our internal state. We can physically practice rest. So let's look at what the scripture says about this one day a week, this rhythm of weekly rest. Back to the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20, verse 9. It says, Six days you shall labor and do all your work. By the seventh day... But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. And then Hebrews 4.10, I love this one. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from his own work, just as God did from his. So here's this picture. You enter God's rest internally, and then you also get to rest from your work externally. So practically speaking, what does taking a Sabbath day every week look like. In Christian tradition, that day is usually Sunday. In Jewish tradition, that day would have been Saturday. So does it it matter? Like, does it have to be one of these days that I practice my Sabbath? And I would argue, no, (laughs) it probably doesn't. Like, we don't need to be really legalistic or get, you know, cross every T and dot every I in this equation. There's this verse in Romans 14, we just studied the, the book of Romans last series. And Paul, if you remember, like, he, it seemed like a theme throughout the whole book of Romans. He was constantly trying to bring unity between the Gentile Christians and Jewish Christians because they had different worldviews. They had different customs. They approached life very differently. And so these Jewish Christians, you know, they just kind of threw a fit sometimes because the Gentile Christians were not practicing according to Jewish customs. And here, Paul, in, in chapter 14, he talks about days, these sacred days that the Jewish people had. You know, maybe they were festivals or the Sabbath. And here's what he says. He says, one man considers one day more sacred than another. Another man considers every day alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. He who regards one day as special does so to the Lord. So I think Paul is giving us liberty here. Like, it, it doesn't matter if it's Saturday or Sunday. It just matters that you are, you are taking this day of rest, that you're unopening this gift that God gives us every week, that it, it's just really clear throughout the whole narrative of Scripture that this is the way that God's made us, that it's, it's for us. It's for our good pleasure to rest. I was recently reading through the book of Luke, And I came to the end of Luke where Jesus had died and some of his followers took him to be buried. And here in Luke 23, 55 through 56, it says, The women who had come with him, him being Jesus, 
The women who had come with him from Galilee followed and saw the tomb and how his body was laid. Then they returned and prepared spices and ointments. On the Sabbath, they rested according to the commandment. And I read that, and I was just like, that feels legalistic to me. Like, like Jesus has just died. The most important and horrible event in their life, and they're, they're seeing his dead body, they're preparing spices to care for it, but then they, like, go take their Sabbath? Like, it just, that just felt weird to me. And then I turned the page, and in the top of the next chapter in Luke, it says, but on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. So what is a, this a picture? Like when we rest, Jesus resurrects himself. His resurrection power is so evident. And so it's like the Sabbath day, if we follow this narrative, it's like it's a day to say you are God and I am not. Like, you have all the power, and I have none. And so everything that I've done in my week, my work week, what I've put my hands to, anything that's been good has been from you. Right? And, like, in our rest, and this is kind of a joke, kind of not, but it's like, man, when I'm resting, God probably can do a lot more because I'm not in the way. (laughs) You know? But it it is this prophetic statement of, God, I trust you. Like, I trust in your resurrection power that I can take a day to push back the world, to cease from my work, and rest. So I think we can get to the end of the day, and, and like this story shows us, if you, if you think about this scripture, Jesus has died. You know, there must be, if you've ever been around, or, you know, been part of planning a funeral, if there's been a close family or friend that has died, there's a lot to do, Right? And I think we can get to the end of the week and think the same thing. Like, ah, there's still a lot to do. But the message is that we don't turn to human effort when we're feeling that way. Just like these women modeled for us. It's like we can still trust the Lord to rest. And it's not our human effort that's just going to keep accomplishing more and more. God's power can actually be on display even more when we take our day of rest. So our Sabbath day, we stop our work as a reminder that Jesus is our identity, that our work is not. We cease to be busy, to take delight in the life that God has given us. And we keep Jesus at the center of this day through contemplation and worship. So it's a day to stop. We remember that our identity is in Christ. It's not in what we do. We cease to be busy. We delight. We look around, and we're, Dave talked about last week just having a heart of gratitude, like just delighting in the life that God has given me, the good and the bad. And we keep Jesus at the center. What, a, what an awesome gift, like, that there would be room in our schedule to just think. Like, when's the last time you've just kind of sat and got lost in your thoughts? Like, it's probably been a while. And to just, like, contemplate the beauty of God. If you were here this summer for our our Emotionally Healthy Spirituality class, there was a chapter in this class that we did this summer, and the author of that book is Peter Scazzaro. He's a pastor in New York City. And he says in his book, he says, Sabbath day can be terrifying because doing nothing productive 
leaves us feeling vulnerable. We are afraid of what we might find inside of us when we're not distracted. And that was like, you know, that punched me right in the gut. Because that, that is so true. I mean, this is, this is a huge struggle of mine, of just like resting and not feeling productive. We let go of the illusion that we are indispensable to running the world. The Sabbath day equips us to not merely rest from our work, but to work from our rest. So it truly is a day to rejuvenate and be ready to go for the next six days that God's given us. So a Sabbath day is a day to, and this is not an exhaustive list, it's a day to physically rest, it's a day to play, to think, to cultivate gratitude. At the end of God's work day, every day he said it was good. I would imagine on the seventh day that he rested, he was saying much of the same thing. So we too get to partake in that and looking around the, the six days that we have just passed, oh, it's good, it's very, very good. We get to delight in those closest to us. Maybe you're in a season of life where you're just running helter-skelter the rest of the week. Maybe it's just a day to like, ah, I actually do like you. <laughs> I like spending time with you. This is great. And it's a way to prophetically declare the ultimate reality to the world around us. So a, a Sabbath day is so countercultural that it really can be a prophetic declaration. Like, I serve a God that loves me so much that he offers me weekly rhythms of rest. So it can be, it can be our witness to the world. I think I want to talk real quick before I close just about different seasons of life. So, you know, I was a working mom for about nine years. I stayed home with kids for about six years. And in the last two plus years, I've been in full-time ministry. And so, like, Sabbath has looked different in each of those seasons. And some seasons we did it well, and some seasons we didn't do it so well. And so it does. It takes that intentional effort and practice. But you may be in a season where it's like Sabbath can't really look like going to read a book by yourself for hours. And, you know, you may have young people that their very lives depend on you having eyes on them every second of the day, right? And so your Sabbath may look a little bit different. Maybe in that season, it's just like we just kind of take the day as it comes. Maybe we go to the park a little bit longer, take extra naps or don't take naps or whatever it is. Maybe you find yourself in a really busy season and you travel a lot. Okay, that, that definitely can affect like how your Sabbath day looks. And so there's all these different seasons of life and your Sabbath in this season may not be what it looks like in two years or five years. It may not look like what it looked like five years ago. But the important thing is just that you're staying in this rhythm. You're connected to the Holy Spirit and you're connected to him in a way, God, how can I worship you? How can I honor you with this time of rest? That's, that's the important thing. And then finally, I, I think some of you in this room maybe have never been given the permission to rest. Like that's just never been spoken over you. Maybe you've seen Sabbath, even if you've grown up in the church, maybe you've just seen that as kind of like an old religious way of doing things. And I think the Lord just says, you have permission. Like it is my delight to offer this to you.
as I close, I've got some lyrics here from a modern-day poet known as Kanye West. You can Google this if you're, if you're not familiar with it. Okay, go with me here. And no beatboxing, because I'm, I'm just going to say this. Closed on Sunday, you're my Chick-fil-A. Closed on Sunday, you my Chick-fil-A. Hold the selfies, put the gram away. Get your family, y'all hold hands and pray. When you got daughters, always keep them safe. Watch out for vipers, don't let them indoctrinate. Closed on Sunday, you my Chick-fil-A. You're my number one with the lemonade. Raise your sons, train them in the faith. Through temptations, make sure they're wide awake. Follow Jesus, listen and obey. No more living for the culture, we nobody's slave. Boom. If, if this wouldn't break, I would drop the mic. All right. Let's pray. <laughs> oh, God, we're so thankful for your offer of Sabbath rest. God, we are so thankful that we truly are a people that can stand here today and say, it is well with my soul. God, that we see what you've done for us. We see the, the perfect life that you've lived in Jesus and how you've taken our penalty of sin, like Nick said, like he has cast it as far as the east is from the west. That should bring rest to your internal state of being. So God, we claim that. We just claim that victory. God, would you help us when we're tempted not to live from that place? When life gets crazy, maybe it gets mundane, or we just get complacent, whatever it is, God. God, would you, by your spirit, prompt us, like, no, son, daughter, this is not how I've called you to live. God, we just, we pray for greater measure of your rest. And God, if Sabbath day is something that we've not practiced ever or maybe in a long time, God, would you teach us that? Would you help us search the scriptures and be in prayer of how to practice that and have that weekly in our lives? God, we're so grateful for how you love us, how you see us, and God, that you really do have good plans for us, plans to prosper us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we hope this message has inspired you and challenged you to be the man or woman he's called you to be now and to see his kingdom grow in every area and arena of life. God is with you more than you know. For more information about our community here in Kansas City, please visit us online at citylifekc.org, and we'll see you next time on the City Life Podcast.